Welcome to Witham Sounding Board, a podcast sharing powerful business tips, insights, and trends for those seeking to become a rock star in their industry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining episode four of our series on healthcare M&A. I'm delighted again to be here with Sydney Welch of Bradley. Uh, this is Steve Brady, partner with Witham and market leader of our transaction advisory practice. Sydney. And Sydney Welch with Bradley A. Rand Bolton Cummings, uh, the national health law practice portion of the firm. And I'm delighted to be here with Steve again. And it's a good time to start reflection, I think, as we screech into to year in with the holidays right around the corner. So one of the things that Steve and I were talking about was really what we've seen this year and then a little crystal balling on where we think things are headed for next year. And so obviously the speculation is always in terms of deal volume and is is what we're seeing going to change? Is it going to go away? Is it going to continue at the pace that um, we've seen it happening for the past, I don't know, 48 months, right? Where we really had breakneck speed, maybe a little bit of a dial back, but certainly in healthcare, really not the lessening that other markets have seen. So we still have our our cast of characters, if you will, from what's going on in the hospital and healthcare system front to healthcare tech, which continues to be robust. And then of course, on the physician practice and the private equity drivers in all of that. Um, And I would say that the good news for healthcare is it's not going away. So from the redheaded stepchild, when I started this journey practicing as a healthcare regulatory lawyer some 25 years ago, so present in particular in the past five years, um, it is the market and the place to be. And I think it's interesting to observe, you know, where we've seen, obviously, when we were in um, with COVID time, it starts to blend together at this point. Um, but in 2021, if I'm remembering correctly, we were completely underwater in terms of the volume of deals we were doing. 2022 continued to be that level of robustness um, with maybe a touch less sanity. In 2023, on the healthcare services side, that really looks to be fairly on pace with what we've seen in 2022. And the same true for the healthcare uh, tech industry, maybe slightly less, but none of those markets really being touched, but considerably less on the healthcare facility and the healthcare system acquisitions, which I think is really what we've been seeing traditionally with the entry into the private equity market and that arena um, flooding the healthcare gates. And so when all that being said, then it becomes important, I think, for those players in this space, particularly on the physician practice side, to be educating and taking to market knowledge base of what they really need to know from a financial and accounting perspective. What What is standard, um, what's common, um, getting that proverbial numbers house in order. And so, Steve, I want to turn it over to you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks, Sydney. And yeah, certainly understanding how to get your house in order. And we've we've touched on some of the operational aspects of that in prior episodes. But today we want to really focus on, you know, what aspects of your practice uh, do you need to understand in getting ready for a transaction, going through a transaction. And, and we've talked about how private equity will view your practice on prior episodes, but what, you know, what does all this mean and a little bit more of a financial dollars and cents standpoint. So, 
you know, the first point is, you know, a term of art that has evolved in the M&A market called a quality of earnings assessment and is now commonplace, commonplace for sellers to have one of these prepared before they go to market and certainly essential for any buyer who is looking to acquire a practice to, to have a quality of earnings assessment done. I'm not going to focus on the differences between buy side and sell side in that comment, but really what is, you know, a QV assessment, which, uh, you know, Sydney, you were harking back to early days and how the world was different 25 years ago. And certainly I remember back then we called it due diligence and somewhere along the line, quality of earnings became the term of, term of art. So for our listeners, again, understanding this is going to put in context kind of very simply to to lay it out in layman's terms, what is the sustainable ongoing revenue stream of your practice? And what is the sustainable ongoing cost structure of your practice? And the difference of those very two simple, simple terms, frankly, very oversimplified terms, is what a quality of earnings assessment is, which results in adjusted EBITDA, which that EBITDA number is the primary or in many cases exclusive number that your practice is going to be valued off of. So the value you get for selling a practice, that adjusted EBITDA number times the multiple, we're not going to get into multiples in this discussion, but that multiple being the magic number that that EBITDA number is multiplied by. So the quality of earnings is a few other important parts of it. It really explains the practice, its operations, how it operates, what kind of the key metrics are from, you know, who the payers are that your revenue is generated from and, you know, uh, service delivery type and options there. So uh, it, it really is a great story of what the practice looks like. So, you know, the important aspect of that to understand, again, it's foreign territory if you have not been through an M&A transaction previously, but the very simple concept of EBITDA adjustments, these are, to make it somewhat simple, the non-business expenses largely in a practice. So if there are personal perks of the partners that are not business expenses that are run through the practice, those get added back or taking, taken out of the uh, determination of EBITDA. So again, you're trying to get what's the sustainable cost structure of the business. There certainly are revenue adjustments that come, can come into that, and I'll touch on a few in a minute. Um, but again, without what should be a whole session to thoroughly explain EBITDA adjustments, you're, you're taking what's on your financials adjusting that in a way so that we know what the sustainable number is. Some of those important areas that um, many times or almost all the time end up in EBITDA adjustments, one is compensation. So looking at what is the future state compensation going to be for the doctor owners, the other physicians, and potentially other staff in the practice looking at the historical compensation plans, what's that going to look like in the future and adjusting those expenses to what they're going to look like in the future. 
uh, certainly an important area of negotiation, Sydney, and I'm sure something that you know you're oftentimes, and I know we are oftentimes, as you go through a de- deal, having discussions with the doctors and the potential buyer, what that comp structure looks like. That's absolutely right. And running and making sure that you're comparing apples to apples in the new system, right? So the value of running the pro forma under taking what you currently have and then putting it into the new formulas is absolutely critical so that you know where the expenses and overhead and how that shakes out and then the new formulas is key. Right. So preparing for that, again, if you're on if you're selling your practice and understanding this is a really critical area, and frankly, usually the biggest adjustment, except for the next one, which I want to talk about briefly, which is looking at revenue recognition, um, you know, taking what is almost always a cash basis set of revenue numbers and converting them to an accrual gap basis revenue recognition, uh, done by looking at the waterfall of the billings and the collections and the denials and every other aspect that goes into your billing and cash collection cycle and really getting historical accurate numbers as to what your collection rates are and again your billing rates and and by procedure and being able to understand and convert your almost always cash basis numbers to an accrual number. A lot of work, a lot of art. In fact, take a couple podcast episodes to talk about that topic in further detail. But just understand that is going to be a key paradigm shift if you're running a practice based on the cash coming in the door as your revenue uh, and converting it to what the real earnings are based on when a procedure is performed, when an encounter happens, what are you earning on that encounter on that day? A couple other uh, aspects of that, and certainly reimbursement rate trends is part of that. But again, this is trying to get the sustainable revenue. So if you have certain codes that the rates are going down or potentially going up, um, obviously more often than not, then audience, uh, unfortunately, hears they're going down. So how do you adjust for those trends and come up with a number that's sustainable on an ongoing basis? Um, For specialties, related to that, for specialties that have drugs as a significant part of the practice, so for example, retina, uh, taking both the revenue and the cost structure, and again, getting that on an earned basis, daily basis, really looking at the pharmaceutical margins. And again, there are variances that can be happening in the underlying data and the reimbursement rates. There can be variances in terms of which drugs are the the drug of choice at a given point in time, whether it's impact of generics, impact of new medications coming out, trying to understand that Again, repeating sustainable pattern of margins that you're earning on pharmaceuticals. And again, those those areas all wrap into what is your ongoing EBITDA. And Sydney, I'm sure you have a war story or two about sitting at the negotiating table and with a thorough financial analysis or quality of earnings assessment 
you know, trying to explain to your clients as they're selling, what does this all mean? That's absolutely right. And, you know, the pharmacy margins you mentioned, ophthalmology, obviously oncology started to become, you know, a trend space and that um, the the pharmacy margins vary um, significantly in those types of deals. And it it poses an interesting question um, as to whether you're seeing deal trends based off of reimbursement trends, um, you know, hitting the specialties and the wave of specialties as they seem to go. I know we're seeing some of that. Yeah. We, you know, we've seen it over the years in, in Redna and the, the pharmaceutical of choice, definitely shifts and certain practices go have different methodologies without getting too deep in the the aspects of retina but there are some drugs that are less expensive than others and preferences from a clinical standpoint by the doctors uh, in each case but it has a significant impact significant impact on the margins and the sustainability of those margins uh, and absolutely and also kind of leads into the final topic I want to cover on kind of the financial aspects, but also the working capital needs of the practice. I mean, if you're carrying $2,000 per unit drugs in your storage unit versus $180 drugs in your storage unit, it has a significant impact on the dollars you've invested in the inventory, in the working capital, and again, launching off that comment on drug inventory. Again, it's a, a new concept for most docs. So trying to understand what truly are your carrying and receivables and what are your true payables. And again, especially if there's drugs involved in the practice, you get rebates and all sorts of things that again, they're used to looking at the cash coming in the door and cash going out the door and we all understand that because we work with the community all the time, but uh, that's not how, as we've discussed in prior episodes, either a private equity firm or a hospital system is going to look at your practice. That's absolutely right. Um, and it's an interesting, when you get to the to the table, looking at it, looking at what the client's needs are, evaluating um, do they really need the influx of capital from the from the transaction for drug inventory and other things that might fall under the group purchasing umbrella? Or are they looking for the infusion of cash to grow their footprint and do other things more efficiently? Because if it's the former, then it may be just they need to reexamine what they're doing in the GPO side. Um, is that model better for them? Um, than going down the private equity road. So we have those conversations with more frequency than one might think. Yeah, that's a great point. In fact, you know, I add to that too. I know conversations we've had with our clients, especially if it is envisioned to be a private equity transaction and you're the platform around which they're going to build with additional add-ons. First, you got to understand this for your transaction, but then you got to shift that paradigm because you're going to be the the platform that's going to be adding these smaller practices generally into the fold, and you got to understand it uh, with their practices for add-on acquisition number one, two, three, et cetera. So um, it's real real interesting topic. Again, we wanted to kind of lay out the the key items in this topic. There's a lot to this to understand it in great depth, but 
thank our audience for listening. And the big challenge comes in episode five. Sydney touched on it early on this podcast, but we'll give you our thoughts heading into 2024, what the market may look like. And I think uh, we both have our work cut out for ourselves for that crystal ball, Sydney. That's absolutely right. Well, thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure as always. Thanks, Sydney. All right, audience, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be first in line to hear what's coming next. Don't want to wait for our next episode? Check us out at Witham.com. That's W-I-T-H-U-M.com.